Bogey Latiner is the host of Motor Trend Network's All Girls Garage. She's also the co-owner, along with Shonda Williams, of the Girl Gang Garage. I had a great conversation with them about their work teaching women about car restorations and automotive maintenance skills that many of us need but don't have the opportunity to learn in a comfortable environment. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're a woman and you've ever taken your car into a shop to be repaired, you'll most likely understand. Bogey and Shonda are having fun sharing their skills and understand the importance of trade schools, but are quick to say to each her own. And it's always fun to find interesting and creative people who use OWC equipment. Stand by, because... It's time for OWC Radio. Tech Talk with Creatives. Conversations with host Serena Catania. This is Serena Catania with OWC Radio. I am really excited today. This is kind of bringing back a lot of memories from my car aficionado days and my days working for six months on a set where we were building custom motorcycles. Bogey and Shonda, you are partners in Girl Gang Garage. Tell us what that is and what it does for people. Yeah, absolutely. So this is Bogey and Girl Gang Garage is a unusual sort of shop where we are focused solely on introducing women in the trades to one another and introducing women to the trades, creating opportunities for women to explore in kind of a safe environment, uh, welding, metal fabrication, body work, mechanical work, anything involved in the automotive industry. And so here we offer workshops and classes. And then we also do these really unique all female builds where we get together women who are experts from all over the country, as well as invite women hobbyists or women with zero experience to come and participate in, in being a part of taking a vehicle from bare metal to a show vehicle. Uh, and my role here at Girl Gang is I'm, I have a me- the mechanical background. So I've been a mechanic for about 20 years and was a shop owner for about 13 years. And so I'm kind of the head instructor and I lead the all-female builds. And then Shonda, my business partner, I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, so I'm Shonda. I joined Bogey, I guess, two years ago with the operation. And I'm, I come from completely outside of automotive. I don't have, I, I, when I got into it, I didn't have a robust background. I could identify tools. I could do simple, simple things, but nothing complex. Um, I have a career in tech. So I spent my career working across digital agencies, corporates, startup, you name it, doing uh, web design and user experience. So I came into this situation a little bit blind via one of her all-female builds. And I loved what I was doing. And I saw so much crossover between um, my background and and uh, being able to use mechanical functions in different ways. So I 100% bought in. Well, it sounds like you guys have a really great partnership going there and you're doing some amazing work. I'm, I'm the kind of person that loves cars, but I'm, I, but I would say, Hey, hand me the thingamajiggy, right? (laughs) Right? Uh, So I don't pretend to be a mechanic, but Bogey, you're ASE certified, right? 
I am. I'm ASC master certified, uh, and I was BMW certified while I worked for them. You, you can't stay master certified once you leave the dealership circle, but I was I was master certified with them as well. That's awesome. So I want to know from both of you, take me way back to when you were little girls. What did you like to do? And, and for you, Bogey, how did you end up in the automotive industry? And for you, Shonda, how did you end up in digital and tech? Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm going to let Shonda start. I'm going to let her start. <laughs> you got to think about that a minute, right, well, Bogey? <laughs> well, no, our, our story is a little bit of switched at birth. So my dad was a aerospace engineer. So he was the guy that was hobbying in the garage on the weekends. Like, you know, really hands-on, I fix anything that breaks in my house. So for me, there was never any barriers of entry into wanting to try whatever I wanted to try as a little girl. So um, as I grew up, cars became the one thing that I could actually opt out of with my dad in terms of needing to have the knowledge to work on because you see all these like oil change places and this, that, and the other. So despite him being like, you need to learn how to change your oil in a car, I'm like seeing all these like Jiffy Lube shops and this, that, and the <laughs> other, where I was like, well, I'll just pay someone to do it. <laughs> so it wasn't like a, it wasn't a, a serious concern, but you know, I, I grew up playing with Legos, refining those fine motor skills. And that led me into a creative path. So I went to school studied graphic design, which entrenched me into computers, but uh, it was rooted within a fine arts program. So you're learning sculpture, you're learning to work with metal, you're learning to work with wood, you're learning all these things that fast forward to the future. When I started working with Bogey on the first all-female restoration project, um, we're like hand in hand with a lot of the work that we were doing. So I was picking up tools that I was familiar with, but from a creative standpoint and using them in execution toward restoring this car. And I absolutely fell in love with it. Wow. That's awesome. You know, Legos have a very special place in my heart. I remember when I was a little girl, my brother, I was living in France and over there they had what they called Meccano sets. And he got he got a Meccano, a big, huge Meccano set for Christmas one year, and he didn't want to use it. So I absconded with it, and I was building all <laughs> kinds of motorized things with it. It was really fun. Yeah, I think a lot of us really want to do that. And you're so lucky, Shonda, that you were in a family that encouraged you to play with that. That's really wonderful. How about you, Bogey? So I came from kind of a, a different background and it not, not that my family restricted anything or said that I couldn't do anything. They were super supportive, but nobody in my family was into automotive. My dad wasn't into cars. You know, there wasn't anybody to model that for me. And so while I was always a curious kid, I, I loved puzzles. I loved Lego as well. I loved building things and, and all of that, but I didn't know that cars were ever going to be a part of my, my future until I got my first car when I was 16. And I was in love with Volkswagen Bugs. I wanted one ever since I saw one. And I decided that I wanted my own. So I started reading these Volkswagen magazines. And the only time women showed up in Volkswagen magazines in the early 90s was when they were wearing high heels and bikinis. Of course. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh. I took that as a challenge. I, I actually started go, getting into cars, not necessarily because I was curious about cars, but because I 
I was being told that I couldn't and I shouldn't. So I, I enrolled in high school auto shop and everybody told me that I, I didn't belong there. I shouldn't do it. And so the more people told me I couldn't, the more I wanted to do it. And then I, I, I wound up falling in love with it despite myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that automotive was an option for me. And it's one of those situations where I, I think that really fuels what I'm passionate about today is that you you don't know if you like something if you've never tried it. And if we never expose all of our kids to all of the different things that they can do as a career or, or you know, with their life, then they may never find the thing that's a perfect fit for them if we don't expose them to it. That's right. I absolutely agree with you. So when was your first experience at an auto mechanic shop and how did you actually start your education for this? So I wound up, I did a high school auto shop, you know, two years of high school, my junior and senior year. And then I went off to college because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And did a four-year college, typical, you know, career path or college education path. What were you studying? I was studying uh, pre-law and women's studies with a minor in politics. There you go. That's got a lot to do with cars. <laughs> right? Totally. 100%. So when I told everybody I was going to go to to technical school instead of law school, you know, it made total sense to everybody. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> oh, my I, gosh. You know, I graduated college and I realized I missed working with my hands. And so I enrolled in a technical school. I did a 18-month automotive program and then did a, a BMW specific program for seven months after that and then went right into the BMW dealership network and worked for them for about seven years. So what was it like at, at the trade school? Were you accepted there? Was it, I mean, what, what was the atmosphere like for you? You know, I, I hope that things have changed quite a bit now since when I was there. This was uh, a long time ago at this point, 20 some odd years. And there were seven, I think, no, I think there were 3,000 guys enrolled in the school and there were seven girls. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely, it was definitely challenging. Uh, there were, there were those who were supportive um, there were plenty who were very vocal about not being supportive. Hmm. Um, so it was definitely challenging. And then my first, my first job in the industry was also, uh, not, not such a great first experience. Mm-hmm. Well, I admire your tenacity. Shonda, you must've gone through some similar experiences though in the tech world. Yeah, I, we did. And it's it's so interesting how the industries kind of parallel one another. I think the part that's been interesting with tech is that people realize sooner that the absence of women in development roles was creating a lot of issues. Like you needed that diversity. And there's just certain things that are innate with girls in terms of like that attention to detail and uh, the characteristics that are more predominant traits that you see within the female students. And I think that translates to automotive and what Bogie's seen from a technician standpoint. But yeah, for me, I, I was pretty accustomed and I still see it now where you're like the only female on an entire development team of men. What happens to me all the time, <laughs> my whole career. Yeah. Yeah. The difference now is that there are so many ancillary roles that are required within software development that it has introduced more opportunities for women to be involved. So 
a software development team has product managers, which oftentimes are female. Um, User experience is pretty diverse with women. Also, development is starting to get there. So there's just more opportunity for women to kind of intermix in, whereas in a dealership, you've got technicians and they're mostly dudes. Yeah. And the tendency, this is, this is bogey, you know, at the dealership or at general repair shops, you have the technicians and then you have service advisors and you have service managers. And generally speaking, people would try to push me as a woman, even showing technical fortitude and interest would try to push me into the service advising position because you know, that the, the stereotype still lingers that women would do better in the office, that we'd do better talking with customers rather than out in the shop. And that's been really slow to change. I think the tech side has really adopted and embraced women in tech. There's been a lot more initiatives for women in tech than there have been for women in automotive. And automotive has been a little bit slower to kind of come around to seeing the benefits of the diversity of having, a, you know, a really diverse, robust team. Well, I think that you're both doing a lot to help women advance in in both sides. One thing I do like to think about, however, as difficult as it has been for all of us to get where we are, given the constraints of being females in our various businesses, is that in order to get where we are, there have to have been some male mentors along the way who said, yes, you can do this, I'll give you the job. And I, I like to think about that. There were a couple of times in my career when someone said, yes, I know you can do this. I trust you. I'll give you the job. And, you know, maybe if we focus a little bit on that, it'll make us a little happier. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. And that's what I tell young women getting into this industry on a regular basis. There will be people who are not supportive of you doing this. However, there are people who are very supportive and there are people who will be your allies and be your cheerleaders and have your back. And they may, they, they're going to be your mentors and they're going to be, you know, the people that you look up to and they're your allies. That's what makes this doable. Um, cause you can't, you can't survive in an industry where you don't have any allies. It, it's, and, and there are, there are a ton of allies out there. And I think, um, sometimes we get overwhelmed by the very vocal minority you know, the few who don't want you there are going to be way louder than the majority who either are neutral about it, just don't care whether you're male or female as long as you do the job right, or those who are super supportive and are really cheering you on. And if we focus on our allies um, and, and tune out those that are naysayers, it, it serves us well. Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree. I'm so grateful for both of you doing what you do, though. This is wonderful. And I know that you've changed the lives of a lot of young girls out there. You do you do a lot of teaching. Talk about that for a minute. So our our flagship product, if you will, is called a, a we have an all-female restoration and we're on our third one of those. So in terms of the greatest breadth of opportunity in terms of learning and in terms of outreach, it's kind of become that. So with that, we basically Bogie alluded to it earlier. We do a complete frame-off restoration on some classic vehicles. So we've done uh, – our first one was a 57 Chevy pickup truck. So we invite women of all ages from across the country to come and participate. So on the first one, we had uh, 100 women from throughout the United States. Some women worked within the industry. Uh, I want to say over 30% actually came with no automotive experience, and that's actually how I kind of – 
cross paths with Bogey and <laughs> caught the car bug. Wow. Was through participating in that. And in addition to that, we have workshops on different trades specific, like welding, paint, body. And we do some more craft-based stuff, like you can learn decorative sandblasting. So we, we try to run the gamut in terms of opportunity. I saw pictures of the 57 Chevy. <laughs> it looks great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I want to photograph it. it. It looks great. So you did the 57 Chevy, and then what were the other two after that? Then we did a 56 Chevy, and now we are working on a Volvo PV544. Ooh. 61. 61, yeah. It's, a, it's an oddball little car, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. Isn't it amazing how you get attached to these vehicles? They just seem to take on their own personality. It's really kind of cool. So how many women are involved in these last two builds? Has it increased since your first one? Well, the second build, the 56 Chevy truck, we did on a much shorter time frame. So we actually only went up doing it over about five months. And I think it was about 70 women. So still a ton of women, but just a much shorter time frame. Uh, and then the Volvo, we're still just, we had kind of really just gotten it underway right before Corona happened. So we've been on pause. So we don't know yet, but we'll keep you posted. <laughs> yeah, please do. So with that many people, are, there, are they in the shop or are you, how are you teaching this? Um, I, I want to envision this. That's a great how, question. <laughs> how does this happen? And do they get hands-on and who fights over the wrench? <laughs> Fantastic question. So they're not here all at the same time. Oh, okay. That would be crazy. Okay. I had a picture of this like scene at the shop where people were craning to get in. Okay. (laughs) No, we, it's a, it's a, a circus, um, is, is kind of coordinating it all, but we have over the course of the, the 10 months that we generally do these builds, um, we'll have women who come in for a weekend or they'll come out for a week or local women will come after work and we do our best to schedule and coordinate so that we always have a nice balance of professionals as well as newbies, uh, people who have been involved in the builds previously versus those who have not. And we try to not have more than like five or six people here at a time. And that really gives me the ability to work with, with each woman individually to kind of quickly assess her, her skill level, what she can and cannot, where her interest level is, and, and be able to really give everybody hands-on opportunity and hands-on learning. So it's very one-on-one. And then the women are also all teaching each other. And sometimes the reality is, is, is you know, when you're working on cars, I'm sure you've experienced this on the motorcycle side, is that there isn't always a clear-cut answer. So I don't always know the answer. So very often we're problem-solving together and relying on people's different skill sets, sometimes even the newbies who think that they don't have anything to offer, they're bringing their background from some other career, some other life experience. They're bringing that to the table and we're coming up with, with new solutions for things. Oh, I love that. I love that. So let's go back to the 57 Chevy for a minute. Explain to people what state it was in and what you had to do to restore it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> that truck really should never have been restored. It should have gone directly to the junkyard and and been done with. Oh, poor baby. I, Come yeah, on. Oh, no, it, was, it was horrible. <laughs> I bought it off of Craigslist 
Uh, it was far more rusted than we realized. Once we got it stripped down and sandblasted, it was in horrible, horrible condition. The floor, the quarter panels, the steps, uh, the roof was all dented in. Like there was just a ton of work that was needed on this thing. And we, we took it from bare metal. We did all of the metal work, all of the fabrication, all of the customizing, all of the body work, the paint work, the wiring, the mechanical, the upholstery, like everything was done in house. It was pretty phenomenal to see it all, all come together, honestly. Wow. It needs to go on tour. It looks like a character out of an animated film. I mean, it really does. There need to be songs written about this truck. So, (laughs) (laughs) plastic surgery for automotives. So, there's an awful lot that goes into this that people who have never seen a shop and how it works have no idea. They're thinking about somebody under the car on the platforms that roll and you've got a wrench in your hand and that's all they see. They don't know about how technical and how much literal high-end technology goes into some of these machines, particularly when you're manufacturing. So can you picture yourself back in your shop after Corona and what machines am I going to see? What what do I see in there and what do each of those machines do? So that's the, that's the fascinating part about kind of where we're at in terms of restorations because it basically takes you back a step And it takes away a little bit of the gloss and gleam that you would expect with high-end CAD machines and digital 3D printing and whatnot. You're using a lot of manual processes and a lot of manual tools, like an English wheel. Yeah, we're working on older vehicles. And because the reality is we don't have the, the big budget to have the big fancy, you know, CAD equipment. We're doing things really the old fashioned way here at the shop from my experience being a mechanic and working on higher end vehicles. It, that's a whole, whole nother world. It's almost like two different skills entirely working on old cars versus working on new cars. Um, so here at girl gang garage, we're really focusing on the basics because you can't, you can't learn to improvise until you learn to master the the basics. Right. And so we're really teaching people the basics and that entry level, uh, of, of things. Whereas I can say from a mechanic standpoint, my goodness, technology comes into play in everything that we do. Our cars, our modern cars today have more control modules in them than the first space shuttle. So automotive technicians today are literally rocket scientists. But I think that you're right. I think you're right in teaching those basic skills because you've, you've got to crawl before you walk, before you run. And there's so much pressure on young people to just jump in and all of a sudden be a quote unquote overnight success and know how to do everything. I think the way you're doing it sounds really pretty wonderful because you're not throwing them into an area that they may not be ready for. And I, I do think that if I wanted to do this, it would be great to start from ground one and have the joy of building something. It's almost like, well, especially with the Chevy, the 57, it was probably almost like scratch. Well, worse, you have to tear it down and then build it back up, right? I mean, exactly. I saw I saw a picture on your website of the back bumper and I went, that thing's pretty rusty. <laughs> it's, it, was, it was pretty it's, rough. <laughs> it's pretty rusty. That truck needs a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. We're not we're not claiming to be a place that is turning out 
people who are ready to enter the workforce as you know, collision experts or as master mechanics, really our function is, is to create a space for women to explore. Cause when else in, in a woman's average life does, you know, your average Jane Doe get the opportunity to try cutting metal with a plasma cutter and see if she likes it or try, um, you know, building a wiring harness or try doing body work. Like these aren't things that, that most folks in general these days, but definitely women aren't given the opportunity to explore. And then I think the other really important function that we're hoping to serve is a place where women who work in the trades can connect with one another and feel really validated. Cause I think in our daily life, we often aren't only, and we don't often have that chance to meet somebody else who is, is like us, let alone work with another woman. Mm-hmm. And women do work well together. I, th- I do think we support each other very well. So when, um, when a young woman comes up to you and says, I think I want to learn how to work on cars, um, what's your process in in empowering them what do you what do they need to know what kind of i guess there's all i mean just i'm answering the question while i'm <laughs> asking it to you but is there is there a, like a mindset or um do they have to be good in math or do they have to have a creative outlook or can it be anything what what would somebody like you or somebody who owns a garage that wants to give somebody a chance what do they need to know? I mean, you said you work with people from all levels, right? But you know, you know how we all have something that when we're five years old, we love to do like we all loved Legos. So what does that tell people, right? So if you would ask these girls that come to the shop what they did when they were little kids, what do you think most of them would answer? So uh, there's a multi prong to your your question. So it's like the, the first step is one, attracting anyone to dare to want to get dirty to, to want to do this. And that in itself has become, that is a pretty sizable barrier of entry. Cause I think women across the board are coming from a couple of different paths. There is the, either the path of, I was not allowed to try this. I was pushed to the side. There's the path of, I don't know that I'm smart enough to do this. There's the path of just general disinterest and then there, then there's a path of people who are like, yeah, I, I am a hands-on person. I, I'm hands-on with everything else in my life. This is just one more thing I want to be hands-on with. We get that entire cross-section coming through the shop. Sometimes the lady who never thought she would be interested in never picking up a wrench is just coming alongside to support her friend who is a little bit more gung-ho. That's the beauty of like female friendships is that our friends are willing to support us doing insane endeavors that we otherwise may not have gotten anyone else to do and be supportive in a way that maybe your husband or your, your brother, your dad wasn't supportive. So we get this like diverse cross section of women in and they start noticing that things that they've done in their previous life have made them more adept at doing what they're doing right now. We had a woman in particular, she was the picture perfect housewife. She, um, was a avid cake decorator and she hooked up a TIG welding torch 
which is really hard because there's a lot of fine motor skills because you're having to use both hands and your foot. So it's basically like driving a motorcycle. So you're, it's a lot of fine motor skills. And she picked it up and instantly was playing a perfect weld out the gates, which is super uncommon. And it was because she had that fine motor skill dialed in from decorating cakes. I love it. Yeah, there's a ton of really interesting crossover that happens. And I, you know, answering the other part of your question, what are shops looking for in potential employees? What are the skills that we need? The biggest thing that I looked for when I was hiring for my repair shop was, was curiosity and, and a desire to learn because cars are changing so quickly. Technology is changing so quickly and you need to have that curiosity of how does this work? How can I take it apart? How can I put it back together? How, what makes it go? Um, and also humility because technology is, is ever changing and ever evolving you don't know everything. You will never know everything. Nobody in this field knows everything. And if you don't have a level of humility going in, um, that, that ego can get in your way of success. And so I, I tell young people in general going into the field is, is stay curious, stay hungry, right. And stay humble. Um, and for women particularly is know that you are going to encounter those who don't support you and, Use them as fuel for your fire. Focus on your allies and the people who are supportive and let that let that fuel you and keep you moving forward. And if it's what you love, if it's what you want, go after it no matter no matter what. But there's there's a ton of skills that go into all of this work. There's a there's it's not just the old stereotype of getting greasy and lifting heavy things. It's computers and it's technology and it's analysis and it's physics and it's math and it's, it's all of the things. So the final part of your question was what did we think they were doing as little girls? And I mean, to be honest, it could be anything. I brought my little sister in here who is the antithesis of me. She's the girl that grew up with dolls pretending she could read to her dolls, like just the world of make believe. And I brought her into a shop and she is not remotely the kind of person that would pick up any type of tool or get herself dirty. And she gravitated toward sandblasting and <laughs> that I love it. <laughs> the, 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 the ability to just completely take a gross piece of metal and make it clean. She like was enamored with it. And that, that one experience made her open-minded to try a whole litany of other things. Cause she had found the thing that she could do. And I think that's the big piece with a lot of the people coming through the door is getting that kind of validation that like, you can do this. And however you, whatever piece of the puzzle it is that makes that light go off for you, it opens your mind to the possibilities of all the things that you can do. So we'll find one person may come through the door and they hit it off and they're like, I really like metal work. And then we get to body work and they're like, oh my God, I'm even better at this. And then that excitement grows. And next thing you know, they're three builds deep with us. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that we do here is we empower women. And the vehicle that we use, no pun intended, just happens to be cars. But in reality, what we're doing is teaching them that something that they thought was big and scary isn't so big and scary. And if that's true, then what else in their life isn't as big and scary as they thought it might be? 
and what else can they tackle and surprise themselves with being capable of doing that too? Exactly. This is very exciting. Now, are you still doing women's car care clinics? Absolutely. Well, not during COVID. <laughs> no, well, of course, yeah. Isn't it sad? But but I was looking at the list of what you teach, and I'm thinking, you know, that's pretty valuable. Um, you know, how to change a tire, how to check your fluids, braking, how the suspension works. I mean, there are so many women who go into a shop with their car that needs to be repaired and feel disempowered at the way they are treated. It's assumed that you don't know what you're talking about many times. And I think what you're doing is so valuable, not just teaching the people that come into the garage for your renovations, but also these car care clinics that you're teaching. Talk a little bit about that. The car care classes are a ton of fun, and, and we do some other basics classes as, as well. So we have the basics car care class. We um, do basic metal work, basic paint work. So courses that are really meant to be your very introductory place. But I, the basic car care classes, I think, attract the most diverse group. And I honestly think that every single human being who has a driver's license should know how to do the basics. But a lot of what I teach in that class is is how to ask questions of a repair shop, how to find a good repair shop, how to walk into a shop and not feel vulnerable. And, um, and it is, it's an, an incredibly empowering thing for folks to know. I, I, my favorite story that I ever tell about my car care classes, one of my first students I had, she's a, a woman in her mid fifties, very successful, high powered lawyer. And right after taking my class about a month later, she called me up and she goes, bogey, I'm so excited. <laughs> I got a flat tire. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, great that you're excited about that. <laughs> I said, what did you do? And she said, oh, I was wearing high heels and a business suit. I called AAA. But and this is the important thing. What she said next was, but I watched him and he did it right. Oh, that's awesome. And that was such an empowering statement and such an important thing for me to hear. It's, it's not about necessarily saying that every woman who takes my class is going to go be the one to jumpstart batteries and change her own tire and help her friends with that stuff. Like you're not necessarily going to go off and become a mechanic or decide that you even like this stuff at all. You may never, ever do it again in your life. But knowing that you could if you needed to, knowing that when somebody else is doing it for you, that you are still feeling in a, in a position of control and not feeling vulnerable, that's invaluable. Isn't it amazing to think about the fact that we drive those vehicles almost every day of our lives or every day, several times a day if you commute to work when it's not COVID, and we don't know how they work? We wouldn't know what we're looking at when we open up the hood. I just love what you guys are doing, and I want to thank you for that. I really do. I, I think this is awesome. Where do people go to learn a little bit more about maybe booking a car care clinic? You have to come to San Diego. You're in Phoenix, right? <laughs> we can talk. We can talk after this. <laughs> Let us talk. we got to bring you to San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So where do people go to find out more and to book a car care clinic or to visit one of your remodels? So they can visit us online at our website, which is www.girlganggarage.com. We're also on social media. So we're at Facebook at, at Girl Gang Garage. 
and also super active on Instagram, also with the same handle at Girl Gang Garage. That's awesome. And then you can also find me directly for teaching and speaking and workshops outside of the garage at Bogey's Garage. And that's also uh, the website, Instagram and Facebook is Bogey's Garage. Bogeysgarage.com, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. So what do you do for boy says, I want to do this too. <laughs> <laughs> you say, go to your own clinic. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, it, it, it's, it, if it's a, if it is a boy, sometimes we have them come in with their moms because I feel like there is a, a lot of power in a young man seeing women do these roles. So we, we're open to that. Now, in terms of men wanting to come in and take classes, uh, we have some advanced level coursing that is, is introduced and offered to a co-ed audience. Um, we try to make sure that those are advanced because we, we don't want any type of intimidation to impede uh, the women in their learning environment. So we, we do have some barriers of entry in place. The point is not to exclude men, but to promote women's learning in the best possible environment. And sometimes that just needs to be with your other ladies. Yeah. I've been teaching women's car care classes for a, about 20 years now. And I initially tried to teach them to both men and women collectively. And I will say that um, men are very cool and women are very cool. And there is definitely something to be said for everybody learning how to work together. But in a learning environment, particularly of something that women are intimidated by, um, when you put men and women in a room together, they, they get silly. And uh, the men would naturally gravitate towards the front of the class and the women would naturally gravitate towards the back. And they may um, hold themselves back from asking questions and that was something that we wanted to eliminate was to say, this is already an uncomfortable field for women to raise their hand and say, I want to try this. And so we wanted to make it as, as comfortable and as non-threatening as possible for them. I think that's wonderful. Well, I really appreciate um, Otherworld Computing, OWC, for sponsoring this show so that we can bring wonderful people like you on. And, and Shonda, I heard, I heard a rumor you'd use some OWC equipment. Yes, I love them so much. So I'm kind of getting old. Oh, you are not. I've, <laughs> I've, no, I've historically been on Macs my entire career and bless OWC for selling Mac peripherals because let me tell you, there was a time where Macs weren't just everywhere like they are today and getting a hard drive or getting RAM was like Indiana Jones crusade, right? And OWC always came through and I have put RAM in pretty much every laptop except for the new ones because the unibodies are terrible and you can't access them via OWC. So I am a fan of theirs. That's good to hear. I just have one more question. We've talked about trade schools and we've talked about colleges. Do you encourage people to go to trade schools? And I have to tell you a secret. I have a terrible crush on Mike Rowe. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. So how do you guys feel about college versus or college in addition to trade school? What can you tell these young kids who are trying to make a decision about what they want to do when, when they graduate from high school, for example? 
So I am 100% for following the path that makes the most sense for you. And there is a lot to be said for a traditional four-year college. There is also a lot to be said for technical schools. And I don't think one is inherently better or worse than the other one. It Neither is good if it's not a good fit for you. And so knowing what it is you are, are wanting to do with your career, with your future, with your life is going to determine which path you go. Um, but I don't, I'm not an advocate of going to a four-year college just because that's what you're quote unquote supposed to do. I agree. Well, this has been really fun. So I've been speaking with Bogie Latiner and Shonda Williams, the co-owners of Girl Gang Garage. And I can tell you that if these two women have had any roadblocks in their life, they just ran right over them and kept on going. And that's what I encourage all of you to do, male or female, any age, any walk of life. Don't let people tell you no. If there's something you want to do, do it. And like I say, every show, get up off your chair and go do something wonderful today. And thank you so much for listening in. And Bogey and Shonda, so nice to meet you. And uh, let's talk again very soon. 